supports, uh, ways of support. We've had uh, Christmas presents sent up to us. Uh, we've had Pastor Seth come visit us, encourage us, encourage the church uh, that we are a part of over there. And so it's just been, uh, Shana and I are just so blessed to have you guys behind us, supporting us, loving on us, praying for us, just uh, everything like that. So just thank you again for your support. Well, we better get into our message this morning, enough about me. Uh, and as a church, we are in, um, we're doing a series this month on missions. And so if you brought your Bibles with you today, uh, you can go ahead and swipe across to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Um, or follow along up on the screen as, these, um, as Scripture comes up, as we continue to look at missions. Uh, and today we will look at three key areas, uh, all found in the book of Acts. So we're just going to hang out in the book of Acts. Uh, and so these three areas are the call to missions, the cost of missions, and the challenge of missions. So nice and easy to remember, the call the cost and the challenge of mission. So let's jump straight into Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling us that mission starts in Jerusalem, right? And it will expand ever increasingly outwards into, uh, into the entire world, until it covers the entire world, until the whole world has heard the good news. And again, I want to hammer home just um, what Pastor Seth said when he kicked off this missions month, and that is um, we need to be challenged to think that missions isn't just about what happens over there, you know, way over there. No, missions starts here. Um, it starts right in the city where we live. Uh, we are called to be witnesses of God's grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. Uh, that's what I did before I went to Southeast Asia. That's what I did while I was in Southeast Asia, and that's what I'm doing right here, right now, in this city, um, being a witness to Jesus and for Jesus. Um, so we are looking forward to going back to Southeast Asia, uh, but until we go back, hey, guess what we're going to be doing? Yeah, we're going to be witnesses. We're going to be missionaries right here. Uh, because that's what Jesus said to his disciples, didn't he? Uh, start in Jerusalem and go from there. And I love how Jesus said uh, to start in the city first. Start in Jerusalem. He singles out this uh, city, even though Jerusalem was part of Judea. Right? So he's going to say, go to Judea, but naturally that would mean Jerusalem as well. But he singles out Jerusalem. Why? I think it's very significant because cities are very important. Cities is where culture is formed and shaped. Uh, it's where the economy is propelled from. Uh, cities are where laws are made. Uh, and where the entertainment industry is made, right? It's where education, arts, science, uh, it all comes out of the city. It's where cultures and religions meet. Jesus wants his witnesses in those key areas, in those significant places in the city. We need Christians in politics. We need them in the banking and finance sector. 
right, on TV, serving in the police, the ambulance, the fire departments. We need Christian witnesses in hospitals, retirement homes, schools, right? We need Christian entrepreneurs, Christians just packing the shelves, you know, at the supermarket, everywhere, right? We need to be witnesses in every aspect of the city, Because Jesus has called us to be salt and light where we are. And so if we want to change the cultural uh, environment of this nation, I'm I'm actually not convinced that a Christian uh, political party is the way to achieve that. I think rather we just simply need to be witnesses where God has planted us. Let us be salt and light where we are, right? And affecting for good the society around us. So being a missionary actually starts with us doing our job well, right? People will witness how we uh, serve God and how we uh, treat one another, how we uh, love one another in love um, and with the people we interact with at, uh, at work and in our uh, sphere of influence. And so that's where missions starts. Everything about us should be seasoned with Christ, so being a witness starts where we live, uh, where, we, uh, where we work, where we live. It moves outwards from there. Uh, it's not difficult to see that after the city of Jerusalem, Jesus says, go into Judea, uh, and then just keep going further out into Samaria, uh, and then just keep going. Just go even further until you hit the ends of the earth, until every nation, tribe, uh, language, tongue, culture has had a chance to uh, hear and see the good news. And so we are called to be witnesses. We are called to be missionaries. And look, if, if we are called to be witnesses, then the second part to that call uh, is, well, what is it are we called uh, to say or do? Uh, so this is sort of like part B uh, to the first part, you know, the call to missions. What are we called to then say and do? And so we'll flip over to the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 37 uh, to 38, and to set the story up, uh, this is the part where the Holy Spirit uh, comes and falls upon the believers, and they are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and one of those signs of empowerment there was uh, at this point in time, these believers started to speak in a foreign language uh, so that the nations that were represented right then and there, could hear the good news. They could hear the gospel in their own language supernaturally. Okay, They hear what Jesus has done for them uh, by first dying on the cross and then being raised to life, which um, then causes the crowd uh, some distress as we pick up our story in verse 37. Because the crowd then says this, Brothers, what shall we do? do? And Peter replies, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for, for what, church? For the forgiveness of your sins, forgiveness of sins. The good news is that God has made a way to forgive us our sins. All the things we've ever done or will do wrong, uh, all the things we have thought or felt that are sinful, God has made a way to bring forgiveness there um, while maintaining his holiness and purity, okay? 
And we are made right with God. That is the primary reason for being a witness um, of, uh, for God. We get God. Okay, we get to be in right relationship with God. We get the Holy Spirit, God, dwelling in us, empowering us, equipping us from within. Right? We are a new creation. God uh, is in the process of making us more and more into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus. And this call to repent and turn to Jesus is repeated over and over and over again in the book of Acts and the New Testament, the entire Bible, right? It's, it's kind of the mega theme of the Bible. Acts 3 verse 19. So again, we just go to the next chapter. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that uh, times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Right? The Bible says, come, right? Come and be refreshed. How? Repent. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn to Jesus. Have God dwelling inside you. You will be made right before God the Father through Jesus' death and resurrection, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? And then the next chapter, chapter 4, Peter and John, they are dragged before the Sanhedrin, right? So these are the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, religious leaders. And again, what does Peter declare to them? What does he say to them? Hey, guys, uh, you know, God wants to bless your life. God wants you to have more money. You want it need to be pain-free? No. What is of absolute importance to Peter? What is of absolute importance? It's the same thing. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? Salvation is found in no one else, uh, for there is no under name, no other name under heaven given by men uh, to which, uh, by men, uh, given to men by which we must be saved, right? Are you picking up on my point here? <laughs> uh, I could go on and on with examples. Everything in the Bible points us to Jesus. It, it doesn't point us to riches it, or a happy life or fulfilled life or enter whatever you think, you know, whatever society tells us is important. Now we are pointed time and time again back to Jesus, right? Into right relationship with God, right? That only in Jesus do we receive forgiveness of sins. And look, those other things that we, that we want are important, they, they just pale in significance to, to knowing Jesus. And so if Jesus gives us himself, what do we give to Jesus? Uh, what do you give the God of the universe? Uh, everything? <laughs> Our life, right? Like anything less is kind of an insult. Um, Jesus is not something that we just sort of add on. We don't sort of tack him on into the, our lives to make us a better person. He is our life, right? Our life then flows through him. We live for him. We serve him. And so we are called to go with this good news, right? Whether it's to the city uh, the countryside, or to the ends of the earth. We are, are called to be witnesses 
uh, of how much God loves us by both showing and telling uh, people about this love. And so in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, we begin to see this happening, uh, this expansion, right? It says, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, right? The good news is spreading, spreading out from Jerusalem. And now it's in Judea and Samaria, but it comes with a cost, the cost of missions. What was it that propelled uh, the followers of Jesus out of the city and into the surrounding regions? What scattered them? It was persecution. In fact, the way missions really uh, got off the ground, really got traction, was it took the death and martyrdom of a man named Stephen, right? Dying for Jesus, that's definitely a cost. Now, the chances of, uh, of us being a, a martyr and dying for Jesus is probably pretty low. Uh, however, as I've been saying, there is a cost in uh, being a witness for Jesus. And so I think it's good for us to uh, read over and understand uh, Stephen's story because it's, a, like I said, a pretty big cost. And I hope it inspires us to uh, give up everything for Jesus, right? Give up whatever it is we think is important for Jesus. So uh, let me set this story up uh, by first describing, well, the Bible describes Stephen as, uh, it says here, a man full of God's grace and power who did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And so straight away, this is a guy uh, that we can take some notes off. Uh, we want to be like him. However, with this uh, grace and power given to him by God comes opposition. Uh, the religious leaders, uh, they get jealous and they try and argue with this dude who is full of God's spirit, which means they don't get very far. Uh, so these dudes get really jealous and so they get some other dudes to uh, lie about Stephen's character and so he is falsely arrested. Now, you would think having been falsely arrested, he'd be pleading his innocence, uh, how he's been set up. You know, I want my lawyer. Where's my free phone call? No. This guy has a captive audience, right, of religious leaders as well, guys who need to hear the good news. And so he tells them about Jesus. And he gives them the chance to repent and turn to Jesus via a history lesson. Now, it's a long discourse in Acts chapter 7. You can uh, read it later. We don't have the time to go through the whole chapter. Um, but let me set it up for you. Let me uh, give you the, the short and condensed version. And it's like this. Uh, Stephen says this to these leaders. Your fathers re rejected Joseph, <clears throat> and God made him ruler. Your fathers rejected Moses, and God made him ruler. Now, you have the chance to not make the same mistake by rejecting Jesus because God made him ruler. What's it going to be? Repent and turn to Jesus or reject Jesus? They chose to reject Jesus. These guys were furious and begin to kill Stephen 
by stoning him to death. We pick up the story in chapter 7, verse 55. I'll read it to you. It'll be up on the screen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Stephen is not only a man who dies for his faith in Jesus, but a man who, as the stones and rocks crash into his body, as he is bleeding out, as his bones literally break and his internal organs get crushed from this onslaught, as he collapses, we read, onto his knees and draws his last breath, in this pain and suffering, what does this innocent guy do? He prays for his enemies. He prays for his persecutors. Lord, do not hold the sin against them. That's his final thoughts and prayer. On this planet, Father, forgive them. This man clearly has God, right? God is his treasure. And what's God's response? I find this curious, as uh, many other commentators, uh, as you can read, uh, find curious that as Stephen is dying and he gets this vision of heaven, um, what is King Jesus doing in that vision? He's standing. That's different. Everywhere else in the Bible, he's always seated on his throne, high and exalted, reigning, ruling uh, in honor and greatness and glory and power. He's, he's high and mighty, right? Yet here, in this vision, Jesus is standing. It, it, it's like he's He's cheering Stephen on. It's like he can't sit down anymore. Jesus has got to get up and stand and cheer and say, go, Stephen, go. Tell them about me. Come on, buddy. Keep praying for them. Go, Stephen. You're nearly there. You are nearly home. Wait till you see your inheritance, buddy. Go, Stephen. Tell them about me. Man, church, that's what I want. I think that's what we all want, really, deep down. Imagine that, Jesus cheering us on to finish the race well. And look, I, I want to be able to hear uh, his voice and know what to do in that sort of difficult situation. It takes wisdom and prompting from the Holy Spirit to know what to do in those difficult life situations because you know, later on in Acts, the Apostle Paul 
when he's arrested, he, on some occasions, he questions and challenges, hey, why are you arresting me? This is, this is not legal. But then other times, he'll, he'll stay silent and not use that right. He will go to jail. He will take a beating for Jesus. And so it takes wisdom. It takes prompting from the Holy Spirit to know um, what to do in those difficult situations. Because there are times where we fight for our rights, and there are times where we lay down those rights. And so what we need to be doing is listening to Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit, because Jesus knows what he's doing. You see, for Stephen, his death was not wasted. Um, It propelled everyone out of Jerusalem into the surrounding uh, areas. His death sent out missionaries. Uh, What's more is that Jesus answered his prayer. He answered his prayer to forgive his enemies. Because as we just read, Saul, who was there uh, affirming that um, this death, would later become the apostle Paul. Um, And this same, uh, same guy would have a radical encounter with Jesus. He would go from enemy of Jesus to just this dude on fire for Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul, just spread missions far and wide. He was a man, yeah, literally on a mission. Paul was a prolific missionary and witness to the grace of God, and yet here he is here um, affirming the death of Stephen. And so God answers Stephen's prayer. God answers it, and he saves Paul, and Paul is then propelled into missions. So there is a cost Uh, to being a witness. The New Testament is full of examples, full of verses encouraging us to press into Jesus when we face hardships, suffering, even persecution. And, you know, that's something Shana and I can uh, testify to that process, um, that there is a cost. And I'm sure, you know, you guys too can uh, testify as well. That's why for Shana and I, um, as a family, we haven't gone back to Southeast Asia just yet. God is in the process of uh, refining us, uh, stripping back everything in our lives that weigh us down, uh, stripping things off us that, you know, don't reflect him uh, that well or at all. Um, And boy, is it uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable season, eh? Uh, It's painful. And I'm sure, you know, there are times, and you'd probably agree, where you think the enemy is you know, really out to hurt you, really out to destroy you. Um, But God is using that time to bring us closer uh, to himself. And so that's what Shana and I are hanging on to in this season as as he's working through stuff in our lives, as he's gearing us up to be even better, even greater witnesses of his love and glory. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm confident we will go back to Southeast Asia, but it'll be in God's timing And uh, we will be stronger not only in God, but uh, within our marriage and in our family as well. Um, So that's what we're hanging on to. There is a cost to being a witness. There is a cost in missions. And so being a witness for Jesus then isn't easy. Um, Like I said, there is a cost. But we get Jesus through it all. He never leaves. He never leaves. And so what does it mean for us here now? You know, let's look at our final point, the challenge of missions. And look, I would, um, 
I'd love to see more of us overseas uh, in nations that are desperate for more Christian witnesses. I'd love to see um, more of you in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, honestly, there is so much need where we, where we live. And I guarantee you, whatever skill you have, we will find a place for you. Um, there is so much need there. But look, that's not my challenge to you this morning. Um, because honestly, if God wants you in you know, a different region of the world, uh, it'll be God that moves you and directs you, uh, not me. Besides, I just spent this morning uh, reminding us how missions starts here, uh, where we are. And so uh, that might be where God has planted you. You know, Auckland is your Jerusalem. He's called you here. Be faithful here. And so, look, you know, God may move you later on in your life, right? Different city, different culture, or even a different nation. But right now, right, um, you know, whatever it is you do, do it for God. You know, whether you're changing nappies at home or changing car tires. You know, whether you're flipping burgers at McDonald's or flipping houses, you know, whatever it is you do, um, God has us there. God has you there for a reason, to be a witness, to be salt and light, right? Uh, To bring light into those areas of society. That's where mission starts. And like I've already said, I I doubt uh, we'll we'll become martyrs like Stephen, and I'm not asking God to prove me wrong here. Um, But what I do want to take away um, from that example of Stephen's death is um, his passion and his love and his hunger for Jesus at any cost, at any cost. He didn't care for riches, for fame, for family, you name it. He just wanted Jesus, right? Jesus was enough. And so everything else about his life flowed out of that, right? Out of that simple point, love Jesus and then love others, uh, even your enemies. So ultimately, missions actually starts with the simple question that I'll leave you with, is Jesus enough? Because if he is, then trust him. Say, here I am, send me. Right? As long as you're with me, Jesus, that's enough. Send me to my neighbor or send me to the ends of the earth. Just as long as you are with me, that's all I need. Then church, let everything else flow out of that that love for Jesus. Friends, family, career, you name it. Let everything flow out of that hunger, that love for Jesus. And then watch what Jesus does to your heart, your desires, It'll expand in ways uh, you never imagined, even in those times of suffering and hardships and pain that, you know, mark our journeys. You know, that's where I see Jesus the most clearly in my life, in those hard times, when I'm really pressing in and hanging on for dear life. It's in those hardships I see Jesus the most. And so, church, I hope you've been encouraged. Press into Jesus even more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.